What's up, everybody? How you doing this morning? Daylight savings morning. The verse comes to my mind. The Lord gives and takes away. <laughs> you know, the, remember that old song, uh, you give and take away, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name, right? That's how I feel on daylight savings. In the fall, it's wonderful. In the spring, it's miserable. You guys are here because you guys are the early risers who are up anyways. Next service is going to be packed today. It's just, it is every, every year, that's how it is. And so um, congratulations on being responsible adult human beings. If I wasn't the pastor, I would be at next service. So um, I missed you guys last week. Okay, so <laughs> at 11 p.m. on Saturday night, our house got hit with the bug that's been hitting everybody's house recently. And so I reached out to Pastor Lenny, and I was like, Lenny, I could be sick in the morning. I just want to give you a heads up. Here's my notes. And then I realized the next morning when I woke up that he couldn't even open my notes. So I sent him notes at 11 o'clock, and then the next morning I got a text, hey, how do I open these? And I was like, oh, my gosh. So Pastor Lenny stepped in and preached amazing last week. Um, so thankful for you. So thankful for you. And this was how my house was doing. This is story made this little chart uh, to keep everyone updated. So this chart kept everyone updated throughout the day on how everyone was doing. And at this particular moment, me and Scout were doing just okay. <laughs> and, uh, and Kenzie and Story and the dog were happy. So that, that's pretty awesome. Um, throughout the day, only Kenzie went to mad. Everyone else... Everyone else stayed between sad, happy, and okay throughout the day. So, but we're, we were better within 24 hours. Scout still kind of like lost her energy. And so it's going to be a little bit of time before she's fully herself. But it was her birthday this week, which was super awesome. So she turned four years old and she is amazing. So she turned four. So we told her no more crying, no more, you know, all this stuff, and that lasted for about two seconds, but, uh, but it was her birthday, and she's, she's so special. She's so awesome. So I now have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, and they are amazing. So um, happy birthday to Scout. So uh, a couple things real quick before we jump into this message. I got a buddy, John Norman, who's from the UK, who's going to be here in two weeks on Sunday morning. So not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, John Norman's going to be here, and he's going to be speaking. I love John Norman. He's so cool. And so he's going to be here. He's going to speak. You don't want to miss it. Bring your friends, bring your family. He's a great, great, great speaker, communicator. And I asked him, I said, do you want to preach within the book of John series or do you want to preach something else? And he said, I believe I have a word for the church. And so I'd like to speak something else. And I was like, that's great. So I think it's going to be an awesome Sunday. So don't miss two weeks from now, John Norman. That guy has more faith than anybody that I know. They started a building project in this little town in the UK. They started this building project that was originally a 5 million pound project that then during COVID became a 10 million pound project. And then it rose to a 12 million pound project. And so it just kept getting higher and higher and higher. And he's been raising funds and building, building this building. They're 12 months away from this building being built and moving in. And the city they're in is like the middle of nowhere. And so just the faith that the, we're going to take ground for the kingdom of God is absolutely awesome. Don't miss two weeks from now, John Norman. It's going to be great. Okay. But today we're talking about I am the true vine. We've been talking about the 
I am statements from the book of John. And today we're going to jump forward to John chapter 15. Here's who I want to talk to today. Uh, I, I, as a communicator, I'm, I'm aware as a preacher that when people come to church on Sunday, there's different groups of people in the room today. You might be in the room and you are just having a horrible time. You might be in the room and life is just kicking the legs out from under you. You might be in the room and you're just tired. You are worn out. You don't know how you're going to make it. You got a bill in the mail. You don't know how you're going to pay. You lost your job, your, you know, your family, whatever's going on. There are people in the room today who just, you are just having a rough go. And then there's people in the room today who are, you are on top of the world and your life is just doing great. Everything is great. Your family's healthy, happy, whole. Everybody's living a, a great life. Your, your career's going well. Everything's going well. And man, you are just crushing it. And every time we preach these messages, you can have these moments where you think, man, I hope that this message connects with both of those audiences today, right? This message today is literally exactly for both of those audiences. Whether you are absolutely in the dumps today or whether you are on cloud nine, living your best life, this message is for you. I am more concerned about the people who think your life is going really awesome today listening to this message because when our life goes really awesome and great, we have a tendency to think, I did something. I did something. This message today is for you. So there are a lot of people today who go, uh, man, I, I, I don't need to come to church. My life is awesome. You need to come to church. Okay, so today I'm going to talk to both groups of people. But if your life is going really, really well today, I want you to listen twice as hard. Okay, does that sound good? All right, we're in John chapter 15. Let's read this. It's a long passage, so don't freak out. But we're going to read this. Ready? I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Let's read this next part. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that your joy, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So I'm just going to forewarn you today that if you receive this message today, it's going to have the effect of the Lord's joy being in you and your joy being full. So this is, this is a good message. I'm excited about this. Let's, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that these things you have spoken, that your joy may be in us and that our joy may be full. So help us today to be full of joy. Help us to be full of hope. Help us to receive this word and, and uh, believe it and trust it and obey it today. And God, we, we pray for everyone who's dealing with sickness and all kinds of stuff. We got, God, we pray that our whole church would get healthy 
And God, we pray that we would not have a parking fiasco in second service as everyone comes to second service today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Uh, we live in a world today that uses this, that we love this word. We use this word all the time. This has become like, if you want to sound smart and you want to sound like you're more educated than other people on an issue, or if you want to sound like other people are simpletons, but you're really sophisticated, we use the word nuance. Okay. Nuance. You guys are the simple, boring poo, but I am the sophisticated. You guys have seen this meme before, right? I am sophisticated. You don't understand the issue the way that I understand it. You're trying to reduce the issue to simple black and white formula, and you cannot do that. I am sophisticated. I am nuanced. So if you go on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you've got all these people spouting all these different opinions, and then you've got the one guy in the comments who always comes in and is like, I think this issue is a lot more nuanced than you guys realize nuance. And you know what I think nuance has become is I think nuance has become the way of sounding like the smart person in the room who doesn't have to take a position on something, right? I am nuanced. I understand every side. I understand. You're trying to make this black and white, but I, that's not how it is. It's actually, there's some gray in there and I am nuanced. And it really, it's just a really sophisticated way of us saying, I'm not taking a position. <laughs> um, I, you know, we always joke about like personality types and different person. I am a personality that like, I do not like to offend anybody. I don't like to hurt anybody. I like everyone to like me. I like to like everybody. Like that's, that's who I am by nature. Um, and so by nature, I would love to just be like, well, I kind of see your side and I kind of also see your side. Nuance, right? Nuance. The problem is that sometimes Things can be nuanced, and other times, you're nuancing something that's kind of dangerous to nuance. Okay, so for instance, the simple, sophisticated thing is, look out. The nuanced thing is this. <laughs> a 1,500-kilogram mass is approaching your head at 45 mil, uh, meters per second, right? So the nuanced version is like, well, let's talk about what's happening here. Let's talk about, okay, the simple version is like, look out. You're going to die right? If a car is driving at you and you're in the street, you don't want someone to nuance you. You want somebody to just black and white, look out, right? If, if, if you're in a dire situation and a dire issue, you don't want somebody to make things ambiguous and unclear and gray. And well, it could be this way. Well, it could be a car, but it could also not be a car that's approaching you. When you are in trouble, you want your friend to shout from the rooftop, look out. Are you hearing me? Now, the book of John is written from a guy who's like, I hate nuance. John is written from a guy who is super sophisticated and super smart, but very clear. He never takes this position in the book of John of like, well, it's a little bit of that and a little bit of this. He always divides like black and white. If you read the book of John, he talks about the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. He talks about light. He talks about dark. He talks about uh, you are children of God or you are children of the devil. Well, Paul, I mean, well, John, can't we be a little bit more nuanced? He's like, no, you are either a child of God or you're a child of the devil, right? 
Uh, he, 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 this guy has no chill. Like every time that he talks, he's talking in terms of like, you're either this or you're that. Jesus is this, he's not that. Every time he talks, he talks in very clear terms. Now that does not mean that he's simple and uneducated and unwise. John is one of the most profound books of the Bible, full of so much depth and insight. But man, John never fails to take a position. And the reason he never fails to take a position is because he wants you to know and he wants me to know, this is who Jesus is. This is who the Father is. This is who you are with Jesus. And this is who you are without Jesus. This is your condition with Jesus. And this is your condition without Jesus. He is not a nuanced pastor, right? Well, well let's, let's try to negotiate here. There is no negotiation. There is no negotiation. Jesus either is who he is or he's not. You either are who you are or you're not. The entire book of John is written to bring clarity. Who is Jesus? Is he just a prophet? Is he just a priest? Is he just, what is he? Is he just a good teacher? Is he just, that is why John, when John writes about Jesus, he writes about really there are eight I am statements in the book of John. Seven where he says, I am this. And another where he says, before Abraham, I am. So Jesus, over and over and over, John is saying, what are these I am statements? We're going to get to that later on in this message. But over and over and over, John's like, let's not be unclear about who Jesus is. So when he writes John chapter 15, and when he quotes what Jesus taught, he is going to make it so clear for us. This is who Jesus is. This is who you are. This is who the Father is. This is your condition with Jesus. And this is your condition without Jesus. Let's make this stupid simple, right? Let's not, let's not nuance ourselves to death. Let's make this stupid simple. And so Paul, when he writes, or sorry, Paul, I keep saying Paul. John, John when he writes uh, John chapter 15, he's quoting Jesus. It's not like he's making up this story. He's writing down this story of Jesus' teaching And Jesus says in in, in John chapter 15, this word picture. This word picture is, um, it's it's in Jewish thought, there's this this category called a mashal. A a mashal is like a, it's kind of like an analogy. It's kind of like a metaphor. It's kind of like a parable all mixed in one. And Jesus is speaking in this literary form where he's describing things a certain way. So he, he begins in John chapter 15. He begins saying to us, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. And then he says in verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. So let's be really clear about who Jesus is. I am the true vine. Let's be really clear about who the father is, the vine dresser. And let's be really clear about who who you are. You are the branches. There is no gray here. There is no confusion here. Jesus is the true vine. The father is the vine dresser. You and I are the branches. Let's break this down for just a second. The father is the vine dresser. What does this mean? He's the gardener. He's the, he's the pruner. He's the one at work. He's, he's chopping away. He's, he's adding. He's removing. He's growing. He's, he's gardening for maximum life and maximum impact. And so he is the vine dresser. Now, when a Jewish audience would have heard the father is the vine dresser, they would not have even blinked. They would have been like, cool, that's great. 
because there's this thing in life called banner blindness. Okay, banner blindness is when you know something or you see something or you already accept something. So when it's put in front of you, you're just kind of like, you kind of ignore it, right? So like in your house, you might have like a corner of your room that always has laundry just sitting there. I remember when Kenzie and I, when we were in our first house, our starter house, right? It's a tiny little house. We had, our closet was so small. Our, our shower was like extended into our closet. So our closet was like this tiny little, it was the weirdest thing, okay? So we walk into our closet. There's nowhere to keep our clothes. So Kenzie and I, we have story. Laundry's piling up. We put it all in the corner of our bedroom. And I remember one time when we said we were bringing Scout home, um, she said, where's Scout going to sleep? And we said, well, she's going to sleep in our room for a little bit. And Story said, well, where's the laundry going to go? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you might have this corner of your room or you might have whatever where all your laundry piles up. And usually when you walk past a pile of laundry, you're like, I should probably do that. But because this is the norm in your house, you walk past it all the time and you start to just ignore it. Like, it's just, that's where we keep the laundry, Okay. Or dishes in the sink. You see them there so much that you just walk past them and you ignore them. Or, you know, taking the trash out or whatever. You just see it so much that you just kind of ignore it. In a Jewish culture, when he says, my father is the vine dresser, nobody blinks. He's the gardener. Of course. Of course. He's the one who, who created the Garden of Eden. Of course he is the master gardener. Of course he is the, the one who cuts and prunes. Of course he is... Of course, that's the father. The problem comes with the other part of this, of this statement. Um, do you remember when, like, I don't know what, where, like, I don't know where Kanye is in his evolution right now, okay? But remember, like, old Kanye saying, when, when he, you remember when he said, Jesus is the most high, but I am a close high? Do you remember that? Do you know why this image makes you like, ah, it makes you angry? It's like, whoa, 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 who do you think you are? The reason why it makes you angry is because you don't have banner blindness when someone says, I am God. When someone says, I am God, it like, it rattles you. It makes you be like, whoa, 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 whoa. What did you just say? We don't have a problem with Kanye saying, I know he is the most high. We're like, yeah, of course. But then when he says, but I'm a close high, we're like, whoa, dude. Time out. Now, in the culture Jesus was in, when Jesus said what he said, there were people who looked at him the way that you and I look at Kanye. I mean, I mean that. I'm not, like, I'm not, I, what I mean is, like, people literally, when he said, I am the true vine, people were like, what? Now, C.S. Lewis said this. He said that anytime that um, Jesus makes the claims he makes, we are not left with any gray space. He either is a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. There is no gray space. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, he is making a claim of divinity. He is saying, I am, which in the Greek literally reads, I, I am the true vine. In other words, when he's saying, I, I am the true vine, he's saying, I, then the name for God, I am. That is God's name. The Jews would never have used that name for themselves. And he says, I am the true vine. When he said that, what C.S. Lewis said is exactly right. You and I, we either have to believe that he's a liar, that he's a lunatic, or that he's Lord. Now, in Kanye's case, I'm like, this guy's a liar and a lunatic. 
But in Jesus' case, man, I'm left with a different response. I'm left with a different response because of the story as a whole. But let's dive into what Jesus said now for just a moment. He says, I am the true vine. There's a problem with this for two reasons. One, I am, which is a God statement. He keeps making these God statements over and over and over. A lot of people say Jesus never said that he was God. He said it over and over and over. I am. That's problem number one. Problem number two is he says the true vine. He doesn't just say I'm the vine. He says I'm the real vine. I'm the true vine. He's not just talking about like I am the vine. This is a nice little story. He's like I'm the true vine. That's even more like abrasive. It's even more like it gets in our face. What do you mean you're the true vine? In Jewish thought, there's a couple problems here, okay? Israel is thought of as the vine. In Psalm 80, it refers to Israel as the vine. In, in, in uh, Isaiah, it refers to Israel as a vine that God has planted. Uh, Ezekiel talks about Israel as a vine. Israel, on their coins, on their money, they had pictures of vines because they're saying, we Israel, God's chosen people, are the vine. So when Jesus says, I am the true vine, to a Jewish audience, already they're like, whoa, what? What are you saying here? There's another problem. Herod, who is the ruling leader in Jerusalem, he's the ruling leader of Israel, over his temple entrance is a vine, a golden vine. And that golden vine is both a picture of Israel and it's a claim to his authority over Israel, the golden vine above Herod's temple entrance. So when Jesus says, I am the true vine, whoa, wait a second. We use vine in our culture to talk about who we are, and we use vine in our culture to talk about Herod's authority. So when Jesus says, I am the true vine, not only does he say, I am, he he makes a claim to God, but now he gets into our face. Right? It's one thing to offend God. It's another thing when you offend me. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, someone's offending God, and I'm like, hey, you shouldn't do that. But someone offends me, and I'm like, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to sue you forever. You know what I mean? Like, it, it like, you know, we're, we're mad for God, but then we're really mad for us. So when he says, I am, he makes a God statement. Oh, how dare he make a God statement? But then he says, the true vine. Oh, what? Now he's making a statement of like, now you're stepping onto my territory. I'm, an, I'm a Jew. I am part of the, I'm part of the true vine. I'm, you know, I'm Herod. I have a claim. Is Jesus making a claim here to say he's the true Israel? Is Jesus making a claim here to say, I am the true authority here? Herod's not the true authority. All that would be a little bit speculative. Like we don't know for sure if that's what he's saying. What he's saying, I believe, is even simpler than that, but even more profound than that. Here's a picture of a vine, okay? What he's saying when he says, I am the true vine, you are the branches, is I am the source of life. So, so, so an audience is hearing this and they're going, are you claiming that you're the true Israel? Are you claiming that you're the king of Israel? Are you claiming yes to all of the above? But what is true is even more profound than that. He is the source of life. Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the real vine. In Jewish thought and culture, by the time that Jesus has come on the scene, they have started to depict the tree of life in this form as an image of a vine with branches. So when Jesus says, I am the true vine, 
Jews are thinking Israel is the vine. Jews are thinking King Herod, uh, you know, his, his above his throne is a, is a golden vine. They're also thinking the tree of life and all of our iconography is a vine. And when Jesus says, I am the vine, he is making a bold claim. I am the source of all life. That's a pretty big statement. John doesn't want us to be unclear about who Jesus is. He is God, the source of all life. He is not just a good teacher. He is not just a prophet. He is not just a moral thinker. He is not just a kind man. He's not just a guy who did some signs and wonders. He's not just a political revolutionary. He's not just a justice guy. He's not just a mercy guy. He's not just, he is God, the source of all life. Let's be, let's not be unclear about who Jesus is. So that's who Jesus is. Now he says this, this is who you are. Uh, in, in verse 15, he says, you are the branches. Let's read this verse. There's two kinds of branches. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, in Greek, this reads so much cooler than it does in English. Take away is airo, which, which means to cut, take away. And then on the second part, he prunes is kathairo, which means to cut clean. So now when you read this, he's using two words that you wouldn't usually use in gardening language, but he's using these two words. He's saying, you got two options. You're a branch. And if you bear fruit, he, iro, he, uh, sorry, he, kathairo, he cuts you clean so that you can bear more fruit. Or if you don't bear fruit, you, he, iro, he, he cuts you off. He removes you. He, it's not even really cut off. It's he, he just removes you. He takes away. So you and I are the branches, and there's two kinds of branches. There's branches that bear fruit. There's branches that don't bear fruit. The ones that bear fruit, he cuts clean. Ow, ouch, I don't like that. The ones that don't bear fruit, he takes away. So let's not be unclear about who Jesus is, but let's not be unclear about who you and I are. We are branches. And we either are bearing fruit or we're not bearing fruit. And if we're bearing fruit, God is going to cut you clean. That doesn't sound fun. And if you aren't bearing fruit, he is going to take you away. The Bible says that the father in this passage, it says that he gathers the withered branches. He gathers them up and he throws them in a fire. Don't ever be inspired by a crowd. Don't ever be excited by a crowd. There, because you might be in a fruit-bearing crowd, but you could also be in a crowd because dead things are being gathered up to be thrown in a fire. Are you hearing me? Well, there's a lot of us that feel this way. There's a lot of us that think this way. There's a lot of us in this position. There's a lot of us, you might be, a dead branch being gathered up and you might find a lot of connection with the other branches. Oh, look at me. I'm right because I'm on the, you know, I'm on the right side of history on this issue. I'm on the whatever. I'm on the, no, you're on the dead side and you're being gathered up 
to be thrown into the fire. Whew. John, this is too hot. This message is too hot. Tone it down a little bit, dude. We, shouldn't we be more nuanced? There are some people who bear half fruit and some people who bear, no, there's two branches. One's bearing fruit, one's not. The one that's bearing fruit is going to get disciplined. It's going to get cut. It's going to get pruned. The one that's not bearing fruit is going to get gathered up and it's going to get thrown away. Now, let me ask you this. Which one of those things hurts worse at first and which one of those things hurts worse second, Okay. The cutting hurts worse at first. The gathering, that doesn't hurt. The father's hands are smooth and soft and, and, and kind, right? When he gathers all the sticks, that's, oh, he's hugging me. Oh, the Lord's hugging me. He's gathering me. Oh, I feel so hugged. I feel so, uh, this is so great. And then, kaboom, in the fire. <laughs> right? Which one of those things hurts worse first? Being cut clean. Ow! Please stop, Lord. I don't like that. Which one of those doesn't hurt when you're being gathered up and thrown away? I got to tell you, in my devotion life, I rarely leave time with God without a little bit of an ouch. It's not that God's being mean. It's not that he's being harsh. It's not that he's trying to hurt me. It's that he wants me to bear more fruit. And so snip, snip, snip. We got to change that. Oh, uh, we're going we're gonna to tweak that. How does, God, how does God clean us? Let's, let's read this verse right here. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So he says, those that bear fruit, he cuts clean. And then he says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. How does God prune my life and your life? He does it with the word. He does it with his words. He does it with the word. Now, this is not just the word that you and I memorize and understand. This is the word at work in our life. John 17, 17, Jesus prays this prayer. It's called the high priestly prayer. And he says this, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, cut them clean in your truth. Your word is truth. How is God going to purify your life and my life for maximal fruitfulness? He's going to do it by the word of God. Now, if you find yourself in a season right now where you're being corrected, where things are uncomfortable, I have good news for you. Hebrews says this. Hebrews says, for the Lord disciplines the one who he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. If, if you're feeling like disciplined in your life, if you're feeling like God is, oh man, God's really got a finger on this issue in my heart, and it's driving me nuts, I have, I have good news for you. He's disciplining you because you're a son, because you're a daughter. He's disciplining you. You're bearing fruit, and he's cutting you clean so that you can bear more fruit. Now, that hurts temporarily, but the outcome is wonderful. Here's another verse uh, on this. All scripture is breathed by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What is Paul saying to Timothy here? He's saying that the word of God corrects us, coaches us, teaches us, trains us for righteousness so that we can bear much fruit, every good work, that we can bear much fruit. Okay, so who is Jesus? He's the source of all life. He is God. 
Who are you and I? We're the branches. And in that, some of us are bearing fruit. Some of us aren't bearing fruit. The ones that aren't bearing fruit, he's going to gather up and he's going to throw away. The ones that are bearing fruit, he's going to trim so that he, he prunes us for maximum fruit production, for maximum growth in our life. Now, when you read this, it can leave you with the thought that what Jesus is saying is bear fruit or die. When you read this, what you can think is that Jesus is saying, do good things or die. Do good things or receive eternal punishment. Do good things or you're going to be gathered up and thrown away. Do good things or you're going to be punished. Man, what a horrible way to read this passage. The only command that Jesus gives us in this passage is not bear fruit. Bearing fruit is a product of the command he gives us. The command he gives us, he gives us 10 times. He says 10 times over and over and over in different ways. He says this, these words, abide in. Abide, abide in. Look at this passage. I highlighted every time where he says abide in. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in the vine. Whoever abides in me, abide in me. Abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in my love, abide in my word, abide in my, abide in my commands, abide in my, over and over and over, he says, abide. The moral of this story for you and me is not do good works today or receive eternal damnation and punishment. The moral of the story today is be found in Jesus and you will bear much fruit. And if you're not in Jesus, then you're going to be gathered up and thrown into the fire. Oh, man, we don't like to talk about hell because it's like, it's not nice. And our culture today is so nice. We're so nice that we're killing each other with niceness. Like, we're, we're so nice that we're mean to people who aren't nice. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, like, the, we're, we're like the most tolerant. We're militarily tolerant. We will kill people who aren't tolerant. It's, we live in a weird world, okay? We're so niceness. Don't hurt anyone's feelings. Don't hurt. Okay, I don't care about your feelings. I care about your eternal position in Christ Jesus. I don't care. I don't care about your feelings. I, I mean, okay, I care about your feelings. They're not primary. I don't wake up in the morning going, man, I really, this morning, I just really want to make sure that Bob's feelings are great. <laughs> no, you know what? The, the, all scripture is God breathed and it's profitable for, but do you want, do you want a, do you want a fix or a feel good? Do you know what I mean? Do you want a fix or a feel good? It doesn't say all scripture is profitable for making people feel good about themselves. No, apart from Jesus, you and I are nothing. In Jesus, we bear much fruit. In other words, He's the source. If we're connected to him, we bear much fruit. If we're not connected to him, apart from him, we can do nothing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even people who say, well, I can be good without God. Temporarily, that's true. Temporarily, that's true. You can, you can, and what I mean by that is you, God will allow you, in his goodness, he will allow you to uh, breathe air and do a good thing. But I believe the scripture is right when it says every good and perfect thing that we do, all the good stuff comes from God. And so if you turn to God and you say, God, I got this on my own, I could be good without you. He's like, okay, have at it. 
and you will very quickly find you cannot be good without God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so let's not be unclear about who Jesus is. Let's not be unclear about who we are. Let's not be unclear about the command that Jesus gives us. That command is abide. He says it 10 times in the book of John, abide in, abide in. Those who abide, this happens. Those who do not abide, this happens. Abide, abide, abide. If Jesus were standing here today and he was trying to tell you today who you feel like your life is falling apart, you don't know what to do, you don't know how you're gonna make it, he would be saying to you, abide. And if you are here today and you're going, my life is great, everything's crushing it, everything's awesome, Jesus would be screaming at you, abide. That didn't come from you. That didn't, that all that good stuff that's happening in your life, that didn't come from you. Well, I'm, my life is going really great. I'm really awesome. Look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at, no, 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 no. He is the vine. You are the branch. You have nothing without Jesus. Well, my life is going really good. All throughout Israel's history, they would have bad times. They would turn to God. Then they would prosper. Then they, then they would turn away from God. Then they would have bad times. In our life, all the time, we turn towards God. We prosper. Then we think we did it. And we turn away from God and then we wither. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, I need God. And we turn back to God and then we prosper. It's all Jesus. So if you're feeling like, man, I am crushing it. I look at all this fruit on my life. Look at all this stuff. Don't you dare for a second think that that's you. That's Jesus at work inside of you. That's Jesus. So the command to abide it's so easy to someone who feels like they have nothing and they're like, oh man, if I just hold on to Jesus, you know, that's, I, need, I just need to hold on to Jesus. But if you feel like you have something or even worse, you feel like you are something today, look at me, look at who I am. I would shout the command at you even louder. Abide in Jesus. Abide in his love. Abide in his commands. Abide in his word. Abide in his, right? Let, let, let's read this. In 1 John, another John passage, he says this in 1 John 2.24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If, you heard, uh, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Eternal life comes from abiding in Jesus. My confidence is not in my works. My confidence is not in the fruit on my life. My confidence is not in the good things that I do. My confidence is not, my confidence is in the true vine. I'm holding on to him for dear life. Without him, I have no life. Apart from him, I can do nothing. In him, all this fruitfulness in my life, it's, it's a result of Jesus. It's a result of God. It's a result of God's pruning. It's a result of, of the life of Jesus in me. Here, here's another verse here this morning. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. In other words, let us abide in the revelation that Jesus is the son of God, that he is God in flesh, that through him I have life. Let's abide there. And if we abide there, let us hold fast to the confession, to that confession without wavering for he who promised is faithful. If you're down and out today, abide. If you're up on top of the world today, abide. Let's read this other verse here this morning. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 and 19 through 23 says this, but I say, walk by the spirit 
and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. There's no nuance here. We have spirit or we have flesh. We have the works of the flesh or we have the works of the spirit. There's no nuance. There's no middle ground. It's either the spirit of God or it's the spirit of the world. Are you hearing me? So he says, those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things alike, right? I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruitfulness, the good things that God's going to do in our life, the good works, the things, they're fruit of the Spirit. You didn't do that. The joy that you're walking in, that it's beyond all comprehension, the reason it's beyond all comprehension is because it didn't come from you. It came from a source that's outside of the situation that you're in right now. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit. So do you find yourself walking in the, the Spirit and seeing this fruit in your life? Or do you see yourself walking in the flesh and seeing envy, strife? I love, I love that in this passage in Galatians that Paul puts envy on the same level as some of these other things. Orgies and the things alike. <laughs> Like envy and orgy, he puts it on the same level. That's crazy, right? Because in our, in our mind, we're like, you know, but what he says is, man, these are, this is what the flesh brings. This is what dead stuff does. It withers. This is what dying things do. They behave this way. Living things, things that walk by the Spirit, this is the fruit that comes out of their life. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, why am I saying all this today? Because the beginning of this passage, he doesn't say, do good things or else. He says, walk by the Spirit. In other words, he says, abide in God. Abide in God. Constant communion with God. Constant uh, communication with God. Abide in his word. Abide in his command. Abide in his love. Abide in his, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. Abide in Jesus. You're at work with a boss and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to face this boss one more time. Abide in Jesus. He'll give you strength you didn't have. He'll give you peace you didn't have. He'll give you joy you didn't have. He'll give you the the good fruit in your life that you cannot do on your own. You cannot do on your own. You know, I've been been working on this message recently. recently. Uh, I'm going to kind of land the plane here slowly, but... um, uh, I'm going to land it slowly. Did you guys see on the news the other day there was a plane that dropped like 4,000 feet? Yeah, you said no. I, I'm flying like a week or two from now, and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. I can't watch that stuff. This plane was like flying, and it just like 4,000 feet. And then it caught, and it was fine. But like Matthew McConaughey was on the plane. I'd love to hear him talk about that with his amazing accent. You know. Uh, but anyways, he, so I'm going to land this plane slowly. Okay, we're going to come down slowly. Um, I, I've been, if, you, if you've ever seen the movie Hitch, you've seen that movie, right? Hitch is this nerdy guy, and then Will Smith is teaching him how to be awesome, right? And how to, how to get a date, right? So 
at one point, this guy is doing dance moves in front of Will Smith. And he's like, you know, he's like, make the pizza, make the pizza, make the pizza. And then he starts doing the Q-tip thing, Q-tip, 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 throw it away. And he's, he's like, these are all my moves. These are, these are the moves that I do. And Will like smacks him in the face, which he also does to Chris, Chris Rock. He learned it on, on, on the set. <laughs> um, he smacks him in the face and he's like, stop it. And he's like, what? I said, stop it. I don't want to see any of that crazy stuff. I said, keep it right here. Keep it right here. Keep it right here. This is all I want you to do. And he's like, okay. You know, he's like, no, 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 no. Keep it right here. Just keep it right here. You know? When you're, when you're standing in front of her and, you, and you're like, you're, you want to get crazy, just keep it right here. Keep it right here. I'm watching people on Facebook, on YouTube, on, you know, on Instagram. I'm watching people make Christianity into a crazy dance. Q-tip, Q-tip, Q-tip. Throw it away. Everything, all of a sudden, has to be about this one thing. See what I'm saying? Everything has to be, Asbury Revival happens. Everything has to be revival now. Everything has to be endless worship service with nothing else. Which is like, when are we going to evangelize? When are we going to tell people about Jesus? If we only are in the room worshiping all the time, in Acts chapter 2, they left the room. And then that's when they got people saved. So, so... So what I'm saying is in Christianity, it's like everything, it's like I'm watching Christians all run over here. Oh, it's about this. It's about revival. It's about revival. It's about revival. Right? Right now, all over YouTube, there's like these deliverance videos of people barfing in buckets and stuff. And everyone's running over here. Deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. It's all deliverance. The chosen comes out. It's the chosen. Have you seen the chosen? You know, it's, everyone's got to watch the chosen, the chosen, the chosen. Everyone's running around. To, it's this thing. It's that thing. You know, this week, Pastor Lenny and, and Pastor Scott and I were talking about the Apostles' Creed, the, the early statement of faith from a church. And they said three things. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> then they talk about who he is. I believe in the Father, you know, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in his only Son, our Lord. And then it clarifies who he is. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Then it talks about the works of the Holy Spirit, right? It talks about the church. It talks about forgiveness of sins. It talks about, but we as Christians, we get really excited about the really crazy dance moves. Do this, do this, do this. Oh, it's all about this. And we run over here and we run over there. When Jesus says, abide, keep it right here. Abide in me, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Keep it right here. Don't move beyond this. Abide in my commands. What are his commands? Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Okay, well, what about this? There's deliverance happening over here. There's this happening over here. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Well, what if I find myself in a situation where I can bring deliverance to somebody? Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Well, you know, what if, what if I find myself in a Love God, love people. Stop being crazy. And just abide. But Kyle, God wants to use me. Yeah. Abide and you will bear much fruit. You know, well, I need a doctorate in this. No, abide. 
and you will bear much fruit. Q-tip, Q-tip, stop, smack, stop. Like, let's, let's not be unclear about who Jesus is. Let's not be unclear about who the Father is. Let's not be unclear about who we are. Let's not be unclear that if we are not in Jesus, we are nothing. Let's not be unclear about that. And then what do we do? Keep it right here. Abide. 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 How do we walk? God gave us two legs. He gave us two legs. He could have given us three. He could have given us four. He could have given us, you know, 18 legs. You know, I see Bodhi running around, our dog running around the house with four legs. I'm like, you're a lot faster than I am because you got four of those things, right? I got two legs. He gave us two legs, two legs. And he gave us two commands that he said are the greatest of all. Love God, love people, love God. How do we abide? He says, abide in my love. love loving God, loving people, loving each other, loving God. Like abide right there. We, have, we live in a world where love has been so twisted and so misunderstood, and so love has been boiled down to just tolerance. Love is not tolerance. Love is not just acceptance. Love is not just, you know, love. Man, it's so much richer than that. And if we live in the love of God, we will have real love for people. Stay right here. Abide. Abide in my commands. Love God, love people. Abide in my word. Abide in my you know, abide in me. Kyle, what is Christianity all about? John, John chapter 15. It's all about Jesus is the source of life. And apart from him, you can do nothing. And if you abide in him, you'll bear fruit. And if you don't, you'll wither. That's Christianity. Abide in Jesus. And God's going to, he's going to prune you. He's going to cut you. He's going to, he's going, he's going to, he's, it's going to hurt sometimes. In prayer, God's going to challenge you. He's going to say, hey, that thing in your life, I want you to stop that. Hey, this thing, I want you to cut it out of your life. And you know what that is? It's him pruning. It's him. But you get that as you abide. God, I'm going to abide. I'm going to abide. I'm not just going to lift my hands and worship, but I'm going to do what Romans says. I'm going to offer my whole body as a living sacrifice. I'm going to abide in worship. Right? I'm not just going to go to church on Sunday morning. I'm going to abide in your presence. When I show up to church on Sunday, I'm not showing up to get the presence. I'm showing up to bring the presence of God when I show up. Are you hearing me? Abide. Abide. This crazy dance. It's all about this. It's all about that. It's all about this. There's a lot of things God will do. There's a lot of fruit on the tree. There's a lot of fruit, right? I believe, I believe in revival. I believe in deliverance. I believe in all these different things that God's doing. I believe in, you know, all these, all, the, all these great films now that are coming out that are like pointing to Jesus. I believe in all that stuff. All that stuff is a result of the real thing, which is abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Are you hearing me today? I want to pray for you. And I want to pray a prayer of abiding. I want to pray a prayer that you would abide in Jesus. Bow your head and close your eyes. I want to ask you a couple simple questions here today. The, the first one is, who or what are you holding on to? Who or what are you holding on to? The, uh, the second question that I want to ask you today is, uh, so who, who are you holding on? Are, how's your love? How's your love right now? Do you, do you find that your relationship with God is strong? Do you find that your love for people is strong? Or do you feel like you're wearing thin? That might speak to your level of abiding right now. And who or what are you obeying? Are you walking according to the word of God? Or are you walking according to 
you know, the world? What are you walking according to right now? I want to pray a prayer for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here today, there's people who feel like your life is crushing it. You're doing really great. Everything is awesome. And then there's people here today who feel like life is crushing you. You're not doing well. Your life is falling apart. Everything is bad. And today, I want to tell you, both people need to abide. If your life's falling apart, man, you hold on to Jesus for dear life. And if your life's on top of the world, man, don't you dare for a second think that it was your doing. It's God at work inside of you. Don't for a second think that it's my talent, my gift, my strength, my... No, it's God at work inside of me that's bringing this fruit in my life. God, I pray that you would help us, whether we feel like we're on top of the world or at the bottom of the, of, of the universe, we pray right now that you would help us to abide in you, to cling to you, Jesus, to hold on to you, to live in constant communication with you, to talk with you, to walk with you, to listen to your voice, to... Uh, the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they come out and they follow me. Help us to listen to your voice. Help us to spend time with you. Help us to spend time in your word. Help us to obey the word. Help us to hear the word, believe the word and hold tightly to that word. God, God, God help us to abide this week. As we abide, this isn't a performance game of performing in front of God. This is a relationship our connection to you, Jesus. As we abide in you, God, I pray that you would maximize our fruitfulness, that you would trim away the dead stuff, that you would trim away, cut away the stuff in our life that is holding us back from bearing more fruit and maximize our fruitfulness. God, we repent for, for, for chasing all these little rabbit trails, all this stuff. God, we, 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 we repent for that. We, and we just come back to, God, help us to stick with Abide in Jesus, abide in Jesus, abide in Jesus. That is what Christianity is all about. There's a lot of other stuff in this huge, awesome world called Christianity. But the main thing is Father, Son, Holy Spirit and the relationship that you're inviting us into. So God, help us to abide in you, abide in your commands, abide in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.